friends, we are finally out of freezing after two weeks of extremely cold temperatures. How are you guys doing? Are you feeling the heat? I never, well, it was cold outside. That's a big deal. Not a big deal for me. It's frigid. It's frigid, and I don't know that, well, we'll be fine, but, you know, it's been, um, it's been a challenge to feel my toes sometimes. That's our president. That's our Mr. President, James Tudor from St. Louis Film Critics Association. Hi, Jim. Hello. We'll talk to our guest, Jim Tudor, in just a moment. Around minute 16, we'll talk test pattern. Around minute 25, Flora and Ulysses. Around minute 34, Rock Camp the Movie. Around minute 41, A Glitch in the Matrix. Around minute 49, No Man Land is finally available for all to see. And then around one hour, we'll talk about the latest news in entertainment. Hello, James, Jim, Jim, hey, yes, Mr. President, him. to you. Yeah, Mr. Please. President. Um, I'm just just a mortal like anybody else. Uh, just call me Jim. So uh, today, uh, you have been teaching at Webster for the spring semester, but did, were you hampered by the weather? Yes, um, I've been hampered by the weather several times. Uh, once by my own accord, I, I teach on Wednesday evening. And they have us teaching in person at the, mm -hmm. and uh, for my class of over 25 students, uh, we need to use the Winifred Moore Auditorium, which has 240 seats in it. And um, that's just to accommodate the proper social distancing that has to happen. And Everybody, people sit together in groups of two. What if like no. they're dating? No, no, no they're no, no, all no. like three seats apart. I've had students that I, well, I'm mostly pretty sure they were dating and uh, they they because uh, during the breaks and everything, they're like kind of right on each other. Mm -hmm. But uh, but but during class, they, they have to sit, uh, you know, six or seven seats apart, however far it is. The seats are all marked. The ones you can sit in are marked and an entire row is taped off. And then the next row has a, a handful of seats in it that are available. And that's how it works for the entire auditorium. Now, that is where the Webster film series, the much acclaimed and hailed film series, is curated by Pete Timmerman. Is that still going on or has that been virtual? No, Pete's. Well, it's virtual, um, but Pete's doing his thing. He's he's still booking movies and um, he acts. He, he asked me to host one of uh, an upcoming series that he's planning. And I had to turn him down because I was feeling a little overwhelmed with uh, my commitments to, to just teaching. So I, uh, but, but yeah, he was, uh, he's definitely still booking things and finding cool, new, weird, under the radar movies to book and stuff like that. <laughs> I think he's having a fast bender, a special, the director, not the actor. Yeah, it's Fassbinder with an I, uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder. And uh, yeah, that's not the series he asked me to come chat about, but that would have been fun because those movies are all very, very fun. They're hide the razors fun, Lynn. <laughs> I know, they're very 70s. Mm. Oh man, they're brutal. They're brutal. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. You think of Werner Herzog is. No. Yeah, nothing. No, that, this, is, this is another level. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I know. Yeah. Well, so, I got asked. Um, I got asked to uh, guest speak at one of Jim's classes a year and right. a half ago, back when things were, you know, semi-normal. Well, that is very cool. That was your Star Wars class. 
that correct? was the, yeah yeah and that was a that was really fun to have carl come in there he brought some uh of his star wars collection we, that was the the portion of the class of on star wars where we focused on uh just the 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 tactile collectability of it the and, real uh, reason george made a whole bunch of money absolutely absolutely and, and now it's animation correct mm -hmm. um it's my fourth semester of history of animation and really? uh, yeah it's getting to be yeah i mean I, I it's by no means on autopilot but it's nice to not have to be building something from the ground up every time. It wasn't until this semester, the fourth time through, that I really am starting to feel comfortable with my material. Did you happen to see the vulture list of 103 animation milestones that they put out last? It was probably about four months ago, maybe. Yes. Yeah, I think I did see that. I, I thought it was a good list. It was a good list. And not only that, they had a clip of everything. Even if it wasn't the whole clip, it's still... Right. If it wasn't the whole film, it was still at least a minute or two. Well, actually, some of the clips are only like 30 seconds, like uh, Bambi versus Godzilla. Uh, yeah. So so um, do you tackle J Japanese anime by any chance? Uh, there is one week where we do that, and I personally don't do it. I always bring in a, a guest speaker, Ethan Halker, who um, is actually uh, – he's ramping up to graduate, but Ethan is somebody who is – super super well versed uh in the history of animation already and he's like you know in his early 20s or whatever and uh you know and he he's i've just from the very start you know when he was my uh um he was doing a work studies thing so he was with me for my first two semesters basically just has to do my bidding you know i had him making copies <laughs> and stuff and then i let him do a couple of lectures and uh, one of you know, I let him pick what he wanted to do, and thankfully he picked Japanese animation, which is a very, very rich topic, as you guys probably know. And, and it could probably that, be at least uh, its own class. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it would it would fill up too if they did like an eight week history of or eight week you know deep dive into Japanese animation. Forget about it; that would fill up. And Ethan would teach it but he needs to graduate first and uh jump through some more hoops um well when actually, the two go ahead one one reason i mean i don't have a master's degree but they let me teach anyway because <laughs> i think the credentials that i've racked up over the years as a film critic and they like you there are media classes i don't have a master's either but i was allowed to teach media at siue and kaskaskia college and st louis community college because they hire professionals professionals from the biz to teach the classes uh, we can't teach anything else but we could teach media and that way that's why i have you know nine years of teaching in and just recently gave it up but um yeah that's you know that's legit and i think the ones because those kind of fields are just very rarely do you see masters in in uh, journalism you just know no. And, and if you don't have that hands-on experience, you can't teach it as well. It's not one of those ivory tower things. No, it's really so, not. You know, I, go ahead. No, it's what it needs to be. And I, I am, um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing it. Like I, I've been saying, this is my favorite thing that I've been doing, um, you know, since I've had to work professional jobs in my life. <laughs> uh, you know, this is probably my most favorite 
thing and, and getting to do that star wars class a year and a half ago was probably the pinnacle so far i can't believe they let me do that and coming up in a few weeks for the second eight weeks of this some spring semester i'm going to be doing another class of my own building uh, yeah my own building my own original class called uh what's so funny a history of film comedy oh well, there's uh, rich uh, topics there. Uh -huh. well, Too rich, I, as it turns out. I am daunted. I am daunted. Well, and that's I a gotta... friend of mine. Well, somebody, uh, let me change that. A guy I used to work with uh -huh. said that there is no such thing as classic comedy. There's no classic comedy because comedy is subjective. And what is funny to one person is not funny to another. And there's no consensus on what is a classic comedy. So yeah, comedy can't be classic, but it's because it's subjective. You can you know what a drama is. If something's not funny to you, well, I don't think duck soup is classic comedy. Well, duck soup is classic comedy, and everyone would just like just keep throwing throwing titles at him. And he's like, "What if you don't like that movie? What yeah. is it? Is it classic?" And and he said, "What if you are not a, a British?" Uh, dry humor guy, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He said Monty Python and the Holy Grail would almost qualify, but not everyone likes British comedy. Well, when it was at the Muni spam a lot, I looked around and I saw so many middle-aged guys just grinning ear to ear. They were so happy. The whole thing, you know, just made their day. And I think it's a generational thing, too. But like, I love Chaplin. And I know that's now because it's what, 100 years or whatever. Yeah, but that's not to some you people. Know? That's not funny. It's just it's classic film, but it's not necessarily. I mean, it's some of its parody. Some of it is just influential the movies and they're not necessarily comedies well these are the exact discussions we're going to have in the class i hope that it's a more discussion-based class than what i've been doing where i lecture a lot mm -hmm. um, it's hard to have these discussions in the auditorium where everybody's wearing masks and they're spread out so much um frankly it's hard for me to hear some students when they speak so mm -hmm. i don't know how it's going to go but uh we, these are the discussions we're going to have and duck soup carl is week one good i thought that's one of my all-time favorites mm-hmm and, it's a great it's a great uh, movie. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but, but, but you could say but, but you could also say that the Marx Brothers films, they have flights of fancy in them where they just break out into song. And so mm -hmm. is it a variety show? It, we were talking before we started recording. We start we were talking about Saturday Night Live. It's more of a variety show than it is an actual comedian. What we know now is comedy film. Yeah. Well, Harpo yeah. at the mirror will always be genius. Well, you can't argue with that. I'm sorry, you can't. No, no, you really can't. And and they say that you know, if this goes well, they they want me to do another version of this, which would be eight weeks of comedy on television. Mm. And and I I don't know when the show I, Wandavision. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know when I'll be doing that. But if if we do the comedy on television, uh, I'll have to bring you guys in to talk about Saturday Night Live. Sure. Now, Jim, I have I have a question. If the pandemic wouldn't have hit a year ago, would you have redone your Star Wars class? Boy, it would have sucked because, you know, part of that is just being able to watch those movies in the on the screen in the lecture hall. And mm -hmm. and, and we did have a lot of good discussions in there because, you know, the room wasn't so huge like the Winifred Moore Auditorium is. Um, 
we're in this Verdrup room 123 for anybody who's familiar, uh, you know, still a good sized little lecture hall, but uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know, maybe a 60 seater and, and yeah, it would have sucked. I mean, yeah, but I would have had to do it. And you know, it's just, it is what it is. We barrel, that was as in retrospect, that class ended around Christmas, 2019 when rise of Skywalker came out and like rise of Skywalker itself, we just narrowly missed COVID, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and then also there was a girl in your class who was, fresh she was pure as snow virginal yep. she had not seen anything no and star wars was she a was she a convert by the time school class ended or not I, I wish i knew um she actually uh worked with pete timmerman on the film series so uh he knew her and i i said well you know i was i i was i was kind of fishing around uh to find this out from him after the fact when he yep. mentioned her that she was in my class and I said, yeah, well, I, I hope she, uh, you know, is, is glad to have taken it. I, I hope she doesn't regret it. I hope it was an okay experience for her. And uh, yeah, you know, it sounds like she was happy with it, but uh, I, I don't know to what extent. She's not watching Mandalorian every week. What is Absolutely. the movie that we just saw or I just saw? And it has a line like the person's never seen the star Wars movie. And then he admits later that he did watch it. And it's, what is this movie? I just, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my about. God, I have to, now it's going to drive me crazy through the whole thing because it is such a cultural, one of the things about pop culture is that it's such shorthand with people. You can reference it just like the movie we talked about last week, the map of tiny perfect things. They reference Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow and Doctor Who and, and, uh, and, you know, it was, they didn't mention Palm Springs, but, that's well know. because they didn't mention palm springs because they were probably filming at the same time right palm, that's palm, what i'm saying palm spring but, wasn't out yet but it's a shorthand so anything you know to do with that but the reason i'm asking about japanese anime is because i finally watched earwig and the witch oh and i enjoyed that so much it's cute it is and the people's voices it's an english dub version and it's on hbo max I wasn't also, allowed to watch that version. I was uh, <laughs> well, you because you like uh, you like the beast, uh, Dan Stevens. You like him, yeah. He plays the cat, right? And uh, which is hilarious. And the cat is hilarious. And the little girl is just so plucky. It's just like out of one of those British movies with the orphan. And she right. is voiced by a newcomer. And then Casey uh -huh. Musgraves, the country singer, is her, yeah, is her she's mom. the mom. Yeah, and it's just like and uh, uh, Richard E. Grant is the Mandrake. Right. Mm. I I liked. I I do think it's lesser Ghibli, but I I I enjoyed Earwig and the Witch. I thought it was sweet and it was cute. And as I said with Max on his show, I think that this is a good entry point for someone that's curious about Ghibli because. Some of the, even though this is about witches, it's a, it's not as weird as some of the other Ghibli's are. And you have to admit, a lot of Studio Ghibli stuff is out there. Well, this is high. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> the the big the big Kahuna. Well, uh, this is, is his, his son. Daughter. Oh, his son. I it's thought his it was son. His daughter. Yes. Oh no, I said daughter less. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, don't worry. I I I on Max's show, I corrected you. Okay, without second, even knowing it, second generation, and so it was yes. delightful. 
but it has a it has a song in it. It has uh, music and yeah. Miyazaki. Yes, I know. I had to look up how to pronounce it, and I totally and it just went out my brain. That's okay. alrighty. Well, what new? Let's releases? let's talk about other yes. stuff. New releases. Uh, has anybody seen Test Pattern? I did. I watched Test Pattern, and um, it is everything that Promising Young Woman is not. Well, because promising young there's woman no is a humor. revenge. There's, yeah, and there's no humor in this. Well, no, yes, it, not that. Not that promising young woman is funny. It's just a different kind of movie. But it's the same kind of subject. It's it's more along uh, the move, uh, the story of always, sometimes, never, maybe. Yeah, and it, it and and also a little bit of the assistant. And a little, it's all the, the female directors. It's a female director who grew From up in St. Louis, Louis mm-hmm. Shatara Michelle Ford. And she, her film was at the St. Louis International Film Festival. And then recently they just did the best of the fest. And that was one of the movies that you could watch. It won the inaugural Essie Award, which uh, the, the Chalapa family's doing for either a St. Louis filmmaker or a film shot in St. Louis. So on the night of the Sliff Awards, she was one of the winners. And there's a nice Q&A between her and, and uh, Kenya Vaughn from the St. Louis American. Um, there's a real nice Q&A. She lives, she, she was born in Arkansas and her family, I believe, still lives there. And she is that, but she went to a film school in London. Yes. And this is her first debut feature. And she is going to be one of these new voices like Eliza Hitzman from Never Always, Sometimes Never. And the uh, woman who did the assistant and also uh, Emerald Fennel. And, to you know, there's a number of female directors now. And so I think she's going to be one of these important voices. But it's so interesting because it is a black woman who's got a master's degree who is a development director and she's living in a swanky apartment in Austin, Texas. And at this bar where she's at a girl's night out with her friends, she meets this awkward, scruffy white dude and he asks her for a phone number and she gives it to him and they eventually they show well, their- no. First he doesn't call her. Yeah. And then they run into each other at if you've ever been to Austin, Texas, it is a it is much like St. Louis is a big, small town. And so they run into each other again. Well, and first of all, Christmas. first of all, Lynn, you and I have both said the name of this movie wrong three times. It's never, rarely, sometimes, always. That is the correct name of the movie that we keep. I, I, it's, it's I the abortion, I'm it's sorry. The abortion movie from last year. Yeah, which was on my top 10. Okay, so test pattern. Um First, it starts off it, the framing device at the very beginning is very confusing because yes. of what happens at the very beginning. And then you see a flashback to you don't know how long, but you're not told that. And so, first of all, you're not supposed to trust any white people in this movie because something horrible happens with a white guy at the beginning. And then something very sweet happens with a white guy next. It's I, I wish there was more of a you could tell. I wish all white people didn't look alike. Because you can't really tell in this movie who the villain is at first. I, I mean, yeah. 
once once you see their relation their relationship is really sweet and it's very very austin it is very austin and she works in nonprofit and i don't know how i don't know how she's making all that money doing nonprofit well no she got she got a different job she was in corporate she was complaining to him on when they're eating thai food mm-hmm. she was complaining to him about being in the corporate world and then they next thing you know they well they you know that was first there, day it's a, there's a and, time jump but you don't know how long their time jump is because right they're you living don't. together and yeah because they have a first night together and then all of a sudden they're living in this tiny little house he is a tattoo artist and she is going to her first day working for the humane society yes. and so her friend her best friend that we have met at the the girls the, night out the first night out pleads with her to go out and she doesn't really want to and the guy doesn't want to go but she i goes. need i need an i need a girl's oh actually evan was supposed to go with them and he's like uh want you to just make it a girl's night out which of course is the worst mistake in this movie ever it's all these bad ideas at this bar. But you know what? That's not it's not her fault. No, I'm just saying I know she's a victim because, okay, her friend really wants to party and let steam off. And these two predatory guys, they have sold their e-commerce. They just sold their company for a whole bunch of money, which is also very Austin. Yeah. And it's uh, their names are Mike and Chris. I thought the tattoo artist would probably be the more lucrative job. Oh, they—they're doing all right. They're—they're they're doing all right in yeah. Austin, and and it's funny because at the beginning of the thing, she's she's uh, virginal and has no ink, and by by the by the time that they're living together, she got a whole sleeve. Oh, yeah, dear. yeah, wow. it's it's funny, but it's but tastefully the, done. His his yeah. are Hoosier, his are Hoosier, but hers because you know he he's probably practicing on himself. Right, and he, and, he and, does good work on her. The actress yeah. playing Renisha is Brittany S. Hall, and she was in Ballers on HBO. And, She's uh, fantastic. She is a gorgeous woman. She is beautiful, and she is very good. But Will Brill grows. Will Brill. He grows on you because he, at first. First, you think they, he's a scumbag. Well, yeah. that's because they. That's because of the misdirection at the beginning. He is right. sweet through and through. He, he is, is very attentive. He loves her. He makes her breakfast. He you know is just very attentive and he's the good boyfriend yeah it's a very uh well-established relationship and then she is at this bar and these two guys are putting the moves on them and she keeps saying i have a boyfriend she doesn't want another drink she just wants the one she has they get the champagne flowing and they're pushing it on her they're pushing gummy bears with weed and she's like "Ooh, this is nasty and she's like all this and next thing you know she gets roofied and uh she is incapacitated and the guy is taking her back to his apartment and he is such a snake and uh the next day she can't remember what happens and 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 you don't know either by the way they wake up in bed together but you they don't show what happened. She just has flashes of memory and she has an idea of what happened, but she's not sure. And so Evan says, let's call the cops. And she's like, no, which I under, I understand, but he, he is very adamant about going to the hospital and calling the police. So they go from hospital to hospital searching for a rape kit. And it's like healthcare hell. Mm hmm. They can't find a rape kit. No, uh, only certain hospitals have them. 
and they're and driving around and she's got to pee and all this stuff and it's just but terrible. he doesn't want her to pee oh and you knew you knew you once knew. she peed yeah yeah i know it, i know it, exactly where you're going okay this is this movie is the dramatic more uh extreme version of promising young woman because everything that could have happened in promising young woman that didn't happen does happen in this movie. And, and it's so yeah. they're two sides of the same coin. Right. It's, it's very, it's very intimate portrait because the director, Ford, who also wrote it, she just focuses on this intimate portrait of a relationship. And you can tell it's so fractured after this. Well, yeah. This night that the it's a nightmare. And the drama of it turns into more of a horror film vibe. Because of the nightmare, very um, much like the the father, where nothing happens for a long time and it just drags the tension out and out and out, and it's, oh, they, it's go, just, they don't talk for a long time, and it's very unnerving. It is very unnerving, and she's traumatized, and he's trying to be supportive, but she's having none of it. And then you question his patriarch in terms of like. You know, they they go flashback to the relationship and and, uh, you know, he was like, I want to because he's a tattoo artist. I want to brand you and uh, things like that. So it's a it's an exploration of race and health care and sexual assault in America, how she is treated. Yeah. And, and if he if imagine if he wasn't a white guy, she'd probably get even treated even worse. Because he he's the one that calls the cops and talks to the cops and and that. So it's it's just a very interesting. It is a definite conversation starter and it is only an hour and 22 minutes. Right. Huh, and it's it's nice. It's nice and tight, but it's not. Once again, you, this is a movie that uh, don't don't see. Oh, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch Chess Pattern tonight. Yeah. This is a movie that you got to be in the right frame of mind to see. Yeah. So not not for the comedy class. Absolutely not. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about some. Let's talk about something for the comedy class. This is based on a book. We all remember the uh, Tales of Devereaux from a couple of years ago that they made into a, a comedy. It was uh, it was everyone was surprised when it was nominated for best animated feature. Oh, it, had, right. it was was that the Matthew Broderick doing the voice of that? Well, yes, the, the, the same the same author uh, wrote a book called uh, Flora and Ulysses and Flora and Ulysses uh, is now on Disney plus Flora and Ulysses started as a book. It won. It won the Newbery Award 2014 and Flora and Ulysses. The book is it's a you know, I've my daughter has a friend that loves squirrels. And so <laughs> she already knew about Flora and Ulysses Flora and Ulysses. Um, it's uh, the book is by uh, Kate D. Camillo, and so she's she's won um, uh, two Newbery Awards. So she is very feted and she, you know, people, they know Tale of Despero and they know Flora, Flora and the Ulysses. And they're squirrels. Well, Ulysses is a Ulysses squirrel. is a squirrel. Flora is a 10 year old girl. She okay. is a self-proclaimed cynic. Her parents are in the midst of a divorce and her parents are Alice, which is which is different from the book In the book. They're already divorced. OK, it's been and so Schwartz. at least the Disney version. They're not divorced yet. 
Allison Hannigan and uh, Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. And the squirrel is just a hoot because as you know, as somebody who's uh, had a, a internet experience this year where my where squirrels they kind of they my, cut your power. They 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 uh, you know chewed up my internet line. I had to get AT and T out here twice. Mm-hmm. I'm not having a good relationship with squirrels, but this I hate squirrel squirrels too. Is just adorable, and it's a it's a squirrel with superpowers and writes poetry, and he can move like Simone Biles. So and and I for just because it's a Disney movie doesn't mean that they didn't they. This would have been a theatrical release and it would have made a ton of money because so the CGI for the squirrel is great. The CGI for the other animals, not necessarily like the cat, the cat, the cat, Mr. Claus or whatever. Yeah, is is not the CGI and the squirrel. They spent money on the squirrel, not necessarily money on the other animals. But well, this has a it has a cute cast. Uh, Danny Pudi from Community. Yeah. Uh, he is he's a animal control expert. So <laughs> so he's the villain. And then there's Kate Minucci from Garfunkel and Oates and from Scrubs. She is she's a recurring character. I don't want to say who she is because she's she keeps showing all over the place. And Bobby Moynihan is a comic book store owner. Yeah. And uh, Ben Schwartz. Janine Garofalo the- shows up. Yeah, Whoa, is a, is a, it's a really good cast and it's very clever. I so this is for the animation class and the uh, well, no, it's, it's it's a live it's a live action live it's, action. Oh, oh, it's live okay. action. Just the squirrel is CGI. Okay. Okay, well, there, uh, there is a lot of comic book art in it, and it's so clever because the dad is a comic book artist, and he's not doing well, well and he has to go to a big box store and work. And the mom is a romance novelist. Yes, and, uh, the clever wordplay about being a writer, and the ten year old's very precocious. And the mom says she's 36 <laughs> and the girl's like, yeah, right. <laughs> so they have an interesting relationship and she's hiding the squirrel in her room. And it just, it's just a hoot because the squirrel write types on the typewriter while eating the whole bag of cheese balls. Yeah. Because the, the mom wants to, the mom wants to write a novel about the forties. She's a romance novelist, but she wants to go off brand. And so she wants to write something about the roaring twenties. So she wants to do it as in, with a typewriter, because that's what they would have done in the twenties. And so it, it's, it's, it's cute. It's only an hour and a half. It's a, it's a Disney movie. I found it very life affirming. And I also found it, it just bring a smile and it sounds really crazy. Like, oh yeah. Cute squirrel that writes poetry and moves like a gymnast. Well, I like that. It was, it was written. I mean, it's, it's based on the book, but it's written by one of the uh, uh, writer and producers from Arrested Development, Brad Copeland. And so I I like his work and it's directed. Lena Khan is the director. Yeah. And, it's 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 it it is it is very uh, the problem the problem with it right now is Al- Allison Hannigan because <laughs> because of everything that's going on she's doing press for this movie but she has not said anything about uh, her former boss and so you know what I'm not going to say anything about it either she will speak when she's ready to or not right but the whole but, that, but that's all I can think of the whole time. <laughs> 
Well, it's a very cute and warm and funny movie. Kids can watch it with their parents. This is a perfect time of year because everybody's so tired of the weather and people are exhausted. And, and so it just is a little bright spot. I was very charmed by yeah. it. The real well, squirrels I, aren't out. The real squirrels are not out. The, the, this is They're living in my walls. Oh, right. They're eating your internet. That's true. Right. But for, for you know, uh, you say test pattern is a movie you need to be ready for. This, for most folks, probably is not. But <laughs> for my daughter, Grace, uh, I think she, she has a, uh, a bit of a phobia or hatred of squirrels. Um, for her, maybe this is one that you, she would need to prepare. Well, like for. my daughter's friend loves squirrels and has probably already seen it twice because it's been on Disney+. Mm -hmm. Plus. Also, you think since it's Disney+, Plus that it would only be Marvel stuff. And they, they have uh, the father's <laughs> creation and Marvel stuff, but they also talk and show Batman, which I found just from a technical point of view, you know, Marvel and DC can exist in, in the world. And so therefore it's interesting that a Disney movie has Marvel and DC and they actually talk about Batman and they also have their own creations, but it's, it's good. I'm glad that they didn't cheap out and say, well, we're only going to have Iron Man in this and yeah. because Iron Man's our super or Captain America, but Batman, Batman's in this. So DC and Marvel exist in the world of Flora and Ulysses, which well, I thought, I think it's good. 10 years from now, when, when Disney owns Warner Brothers and all of the <laughs> things under that umbrella, none of that will be, you know, a thing anymore. But right now, you're right. Uh, that's that's uh, noteworthy. It's it's a big it. I, I it was a little touch that made me appreciate it a little bit more. OK. Yeah. And cool. we have also movies that we haven't seen that open this week. A new version of Blind Spirit opened and they did not make it available to us. And it stars Dan Stevens, by the way. Again. And, yeah, again. And uh, it, it had like a 22 on Metacritic. So I think that might be why they didn't make it available mm -hmm. to us. And, and what's Body Brokers? Uh, that is a horror movie. And I am not sure why uh, we didn't get it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But that, there is there is a, a couple of movie maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of times we don't get those horror movies. No, but um the not. violent, yeah, the violent heart came out. I just got a link because I was I dropped the ball. So mm. I haven't watched it yet, and I'm planning to watch it this weekend. Did either of you see Rock Camp? Yes. 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 I I have seen it, I reviewed it already, but what did you guys think of it? Oh, by the way, it just came out on a video on demand February 16th. So it's out. Okay. Yeah. Rock camp about the fantasy rock and roll fantasy camp, which is real. This is a documentary about this rock and roll fantasy camp that's existed since what? 1997. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone made fun of it. Yeah. And, and I'm still inclined to make fun of it. It uh, having sat through this, um, <laughs> I, I did not love this movie. Uh, it, it, it came up in the email several times over the last few weeks. And I just kind of thought, I don't know it, that, that it, it has a lot of my favorite rock stars, which it's makes impressive that their list is a very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Who's in it is impressive. Um, it literally begins and ends with 
Alice Cooper, who I just admire the heck out of as a person and as a as a musician. He's just, you know, never not fun. But uh, and then Roger Daltrey from The Who. And these are all these people I saw in concert, like back when we could still go to concerts like mm-hmm. two years ago. And, and now, you know, it turns out they were, you know, associated with this rock and roll fantasy camp where, you know, you can pay a lot of money and go out for five days and and learn learn to play an instrument. Uh, well, no, 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 no. Hold on, Jim. They, you have to have already know you. You're not. They're not teaching you how to play. Well, you have true. to. You have to know how to play. They you just to, put you in a least, room. They right. put you in a room with others, and you, you have to form a makeshift band and perform at the end of the camp, right? Yeah, That's but they, they, they put an accomplished bassist with an accomplished guitarist with an accomplished mm-hmm. drummer. It's not like they're throwing you in blind. Right. No, and, and they are they are very accomplished uh, rock stars. They're just people that never that, that well, were never was the, in the movie the, there. Yeah. It, the guys that are at the camp concerts are very established people like Sammy Hagar and Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. And well, I love the line. I love the line that uh, uh, Alice Cooper says about it's a hobby. He says, what what else is there like stamp collecting? You know, yeah, we, who still collects stamps? I thought, you know, that's that's the the big line they use in the trailer and go out on here. But I don't know. I thought that's that sounds like you're showing your age there, pal. Yeah, well, um, it's not all, to it's me, not... it was very much like an ad, like one big ad. Yeah, it was an infomercial. That's it what, is. When, it, when it ended. Um, I watched this with my kids. Um, you know, they, they have might have thoughts on this, too. Now, hold on. Your kids, do they know? Sammy Hagar and Rob Halford and Joe Perry and Nancy Wilson and uh, the guys from Dio. Not all of them, but uh, they, you know, uh, Grace, her first concert was Alice Cooper uh, a couple of years ago. I took her to that and and uh, my son also. And and um, so, yeah, they knew who he was. Now, of course, I, I mentioned Alice Cooper again. He literally shows up at the very beginning and the very end of this movie mm-hmm. and he's not seen in the camp itself uh, well, but uh then, and have... roger daltrey is only shown in archive footage it's not like right. they have the same people like vinnie apiece there there are it's, uh, who, who's, it's the guy, who's the guy from aerosmith uh joe who's joe perry joe yeah. perry i never remember his last name yeah well, anyway, all these people come and go, and it's just like this movie doesn't know what it wants to be about. It it it's it's an ad for the camp first and foremost, but then mm-hmm. they try to show all these you know people, which quite frankly they need to be pretty well to do to afford to do the camp. Yep. I looked up how much this costs. It's not cheap. Um, Several then, thousands or oh, dozens of thousands. And it's they, uh, referenced, they referenced that in it, there was a joke they referenced from 1997 where it cost five thousand um, dollars. And that's think, 25 years ago. Exactly. So just think about that. Um, there's there's, of course, tiers that you can buy into. Um, you pay the extra VIP package. A, yeah. To have a photographer follow you around. You have the paparazzi package where they I guess are taking pictures of you with all the rock stars who show up and come and go. And um, some of them just show up like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth shows up, watches them play. They don't even know he's in the room. Yeah. Gives them like five minutes of encouragement and then is gone. Yeah. Yeah. He, Dave Mustaine, it doesn't look like the look on his face is like, why am I here? And why is there a camera in my face? Yeah. So, you know, they, they try to show these little 
backstories of the people attending the camp and how, you know, their lives are so empty and they need this in their life to help them, you know, find out who they are and all this tra-la-la, you know. But there and are some success stories. Yeah. Here's a rock star. Here's a rock star. Here's another rock star. No, like, I'm talking about the guy, like that, that guy drummer, that African-American guy who was drummer. And he's like gave up on his drumming dream. And now mm-hmm. now he's doing gigs on Saturday night. Well, at least he was before COVID hit. But right. he was he he now has a regular gig in a bar band. Yeah. Wow. But, but well, I want to well. I want to say that from my review, I gave it a much more positive review than you two did. But now that you say it's one big ad, that's what it is. It's, it's uh, a big ad for it. And there's no naysaying going on here. There's no, you know, like they. it's not they it's not Dateline. No, well, no, it, it, it's not. I mean, but that's, you know, if you're going to do a movie about this, a documentary about it, it would have been nice to hear some people say, you know, uh, I had a crappy time. Yeah, I had some issues. Like I looked it up on the Internet to see what's going on and it, you know, the next time they're doing this, none of these big name rock stars are listed on as, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely B and C listers most of the time, it looks like. And, uh, you know, so and apparently this was a TV show on VH1. Yeah. At some point. So they mined that for footage. Um, the clip of the guy <laughs> saying I, I sang with Roger Daltrey, so now I can die. Uh, that's a clip from the the movie. It, it, it's something they took from a, a Pawn Stars episode about the fantasy camp. Yep, and, yep, and they, they were on they Simpsons. It. They were on Simpsons. Oh yes. yeah, they make a big deal of that. Yeah, they uh, there's like doctors and and all sorts of walks of life that do this. But yeah, I think you have to be pretty well healed to afford it. Yeah. Well, here let's talk about another another documentary that. I wasn't sure about, and I'm still not sure about. It's called A Glitch in the Matrix. This, this was at <laughs> Sundance. This was at Sundance last month, and it's all it's a documentary about people that think that they are living in the Matrix. But they also explain the fact that this is not a new concept. Even though the movie came out in 1999, this has been taught. Philip K. Dick has talked about this uh-huh. in his writings in the 60s and 70s. And they go back even further. Plato talked about this. This was a philosophical uh, discussion way back when, because alternate realities or waking life, Scanner Darkly, have, has been around since the beginning of recorded history. So it is very, very interesting if we are living in the matrix and the first let's say half of the movie is very convincing and it's very well done and i want to give their clearance and rights people 1000% credit even though you can only give them 100% credit i give them all the credit in the world they have clips from everything if they mention something there's a clip from it they mentioned Star Wars. There's a clip. There's a clip from Wizard of Oz. There's a clip from everything that has been made by uh, Philip K. Dick. There is so like including Blade Runner and uh, Total Recall. If they mention something from The Simpsons, there's a clip from The Simpsons. Wow. If of course the mentions in from The Matrix are in there, and even some of the other Matrix movies, but they have clips from everything. If they talk about it, I'm. I'm I am amazed how inclusive 
every time they make a reference to something that they show a clip from it. Well, I I spent five minutes watching the credits just to see, oh my gosh, they actually, that was really from that. And that was impressive until the last third of the movie. And what happens in the last third of the movie, there is a guy who thought he was in the Matrix and therefore killed his parents because he wasn't sure about uh, it. I think, I think they give him too much credit. I mean, of course, he's like, I didn't realize this. I, 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 he's, of course, he's mentally ill. Well, of course, because even if you think, well, all of reality is a facade. So, you know, to make that leap to kill my parents. Well, I mean, he, 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 he was he was at the point he wasn't sure anymore. And, it, and this he's the guy that had the Matrix defense that you, we, we've all heard of. He's the first guy to have the Matrix defense because he didn't uh, think he was living in reality. I've not heard of this. And the therefore, well, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's an insanity defense, but he okay. he thought that he was he was uh, part of the Matrix. And I think they give the guy too much because the, he tells his story for a long time. And the movie, it had me. It had me until it got to that point. And then they tell the guy tells his story. And therefore, it just keeps going. It's only 108 minutes. So it's less than two hours. And I was like, hmm, maybe I'm in the Matrix. And then this guy tells the story and brings you back to reality. You're having fun. You're like, oh, maybe, you know what? I could have this discussion with somebody. And then it just yeah. pulls you down. It's just, I mean, if they would have mentioned it and not gone so far in depth, you you can over prepare for something, as yeah. you know, as being a teacher, Jim. Uh-huh. And, and, and that drags the narrative you're going one way and then all of a sudden it just drags you someplace that is not fun anymore how murdery can it get well yeah how how murdery can you get is a wonderful line for that because it just you know you're having a fun thing and then all of a sudden you're almost you're like you know what i'm i'm gonna think about this more and then you realize hey people died and so that just just it ruined it for me and I was enjoying it. I, I thought it was a, a great little documentary and then it just got hijacked by somebody. And I know they had to do it. I, they, they had to bring you back to reality. They had to show that this is unhealthy for some people, mm-hmm. but what they did was it, it hijacked the film. Well, that's too bad. And it sounds like maybe it wasn't as convincing as it wishes it was, because if they're doing that in the last third of the movie uh, and all of a sudden you're lurched out of it from that, mm-hmm. then they didn't make the point that all reality is a facade uh, and it doesn't matter who you kill. Because it, like, it doesn't matter if Keanu Reeves well, no, 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 all no. They say all those they... security guards in that movie, you know, because, because they're ones and zeros. Right. So, you know, we're not convinced that this guy's parents were ones and zeros. We are not. Well, and then at the end, so then they have to give, then they tell that the guy's in prison and all that stuff. And he, you know, he pled well, guilty. He was, he was going to go with the uh, matrix defense, but it didn't, you know, it, not that it didn't work for him. He just, his, his attorneys are like, uh, yeah, you just need to plead guilty. Yeah. And so, and, but then they want to get at the end, you have to have a summary of the last uh, hour and a half that you've seen so they can't they can't just say well hey everybody you're they still have to say they still have to leave it open 
they sure. still have to have they still have to have some sort of closure without you know leaving it open ended and so they at the end they want it both ways after they just ruin it and make it less ambiguous because you know people have died yeah well that's unfortunate the glitch, the glitch in the matrix a glitch in the matrix okay i still think i still think it's really well done it is it is really done it 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 got snapped up immediately from magnolia after it showed at sundance wow. it, they released it a week later <laughs> and okay. i must we must, did we get an email um i actually saw something and once i saw that it was uh magnolia oh. i reached out to them uh, he actually it's done by rodney asher who did oh. uh, room 237 yeah which, which was the uh shining documentary oh okay uh, yeah that was good and apparently he also made a movie about uh like sleep death like uh the nightmare the yeah which apparently it's like horrifying. sleep paralysis yeah, yeah sleep that's a, supposed to be a horrifying movie to the documentary to watch he made that before room 237 oh. i haven't seen it because they say it's one of those things that when the idea of it in, is in your head that's when it could become a possibility for you right so why watch that <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes I, I thought I, I he, as we know, he's a good filmmaker and this is really well made. It's right. just it's just that it's uh. well, finally, <laughs> after months, we get to talk about Nomadland because when we first it's on Hulu, it, nobody had seen it. And so we're singing its praises and nobody was able to see it. Now it's in theaters and on Hulu today. So I hope people have Hulu or you can get one of those trial Hulu things. Our, our St. Louis film critics gave it the, the, the big fat uh, best award of all the, the best, best picture. Of, yeah. Best picture of 2020. And uh, it was my second favorite picture of 2020. It was my number one. Good. My number it, one. It is my number one as well, but that's not saying much because I did not get to see that many 2020 films. But uh, I did get to see Nomadland. I thought it was really stunning. It's it's fantastic. It, well, it's not stunning while you're watching it. You don't no. feel like, oh, this is stunning. You don't feel that. But, you know, at some point I was just like, um, I was like, I could go get a drink. Wait a minute. I can't I can't look away from this. And right. I realized I was like, this is one of those rare movies where I was with it you know like 100 percent with it with the movie and did not want it to end and did not want to break the spell did not want to hit pause and get up uh did not want to look away at, at my phone or anything i Beautifully was shot in it. yeah well Jim, as oh, i said sunsets those sunsets oh my god sure. as i said to lynn when we first reviewed this movie we've been trained by movies that something horrible is going to happen to her yeah, Fern, we're we're trained that Fern is just going. Someone's going to sexually assault her. Someone's going to beat her up. Someone's going to steal her crap. But no, it's like real life. Just like mm -hmm. when your heater breaks down when it's two degrees outside, or when your car breaks down, or when your favorite plate gets broken. It's <laughs> real life. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's not. But we've been trained by movies that it's going to be something awful. Right. And to her, it is something awful, but sure. it's not. It's not movie awful. It's real life it. awful. She can right. move on. 
Yeah, she uh, is dealing with a lot. Uh, it is a very slow build movie. Frances McDormand is so will win another Oscar as Fern. I don't know. Carrie Mulligan. don't know. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan's creeping up there, I think. And I, I'd be I'd be happy with that as well. Right. But uh, she's fantastic. She's so lived in and she's so natural. In fact, during the filming of this, somebody gave her a target application. because they thought she was a real person looking for a job and this is a woman whose husband has died of cancer her job is gone she lives in a factory town and the whole town has left they don't even have a zip code anymore and she has packed all her belongings in a van and hit the open road it is a very poetic movie in terms of the way it unfolds and shows you how beautiful our west is but it's such a personal journey for a woman when people run into her at this store and they think she's homeless and she says i'm without a home that's different she's not homeless she's houseless there is a big difference between being homeless and houseless and i talked about this on the radio actually today and uh the host said, well, what does she do like during months like this? And I said, well, actually, during months like this, she's working for Amazon and makes enough money in five months to live for the rest of the year and travel and see the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And she's somewhere where it's not like this. No. And she's got her jar of peanut butter and her jar of jelly. And she's got, you know, and she's got her lawn chair and she meets a community butter. of people who are nomads. This is based on a book by a journalist who spent three years going 15,000 miles and recording these people's history. So some of the people in the movie are real people. Swanky. The Jessica Owen. Bruder is the name of the uh, 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 name of the author of the book. And she, she, it, it's a, it's a nonfiction book. And Chloe Zhao, who is coming up to direct a Marvel film, which makes yeah. me very excited about it. Um, she and there and Lynn, did you watch it again? Did you see the nod to Marvel in the I movie? Did. See, I did. Jim saw it, and I didn't even know for sure that that she was making the Eternals. I, I knew uh, there was this indie director. Why are they seeing? Why are they seeing the Avengers? <laughs> yeah, there's this female indie director um, making the Eternals, and I didn't put two and two together at all. And afterwards I looked it up and it's like, Oh, of course she must've already gotten that gig and known, uh, or it's just surreptitious that she put the Avengers in this. Mm -hmm. It's it's a cute little nod and it's subtle and it's very, it's very smart. The whole movie is smart. And it, the, the book, the book won like Barnes and Noble's uh, great new writer award and the book's only four years old and they snapped it up right away. So the director, Chloe Zhao, she, this is her third feature and we missed the writer for content contention a couple years ago. It just fell through the cracks. We didn't get to see it before uh, we, we had to vote for our awards, but people were praising it all the time and it won independent spirit awards. So you knew that about her. And then she wrote this she and, writes, directs, directs, and produces all of her own films, except for them. She's they didn't let her produce the Marvel film. They're not well. They uh, like her. They don't like her. That edited, much. She edited this too, and it's very sharp. But she is now the most decorated filmmaker of the year. That's great. Uh, she well, they a, show the commercials. They show they they fill the entire screen in very small print of all the awards it won. I, I'm sure ours is up there too. Oh, I, sure. Well, I looked. I looked, and we're way at the, we're way. Oh, we are. 
yeah, 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 yeah. I had to stop it a That's zillion times. Awesome, but also, but also, um, in all the articles about this movie, we're lumped with all the critics groups who who acclaimed it. Who cool. So it'll say, you know, Chicago, St. Louis, blah, 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 blah. So I'm glad of that. Yeah. Uh, she deserves it. And I hope if she wins the Oscar this year, that she will be the second. Who, Chloe? Yeah, Chloe. She will be the second woman only after Catherine Bigelow. And then she will be the second Asian director in a row. Yeah. And then everyone will say she sold out and went and made a Marvel movie after she won her Oscar. But that's already done. <laughs> Yeah, that movie's already that movie's finished. Disney's yeah. just sitting on it. Right. It's it was supposed to have come out by now, wasn't it? Um, I was that a, probably. Yeah, I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyway, th- what people need to know is this movie, uh, Nomadland, is not like other movies. It um, it it's a drifting kind of uh, freeform sort of thing. At some points, it even feels kind of documentary esque. And that's, well, until until you get a full frontal of Frances McDormand when she's just swimming in the in a, in a hot spring. Well, again, documentary esque, and that's only just for a quick moment, and it's not sexual. No, it's not, and uh, but it's still jarring. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, I was not. This is not a movie that, like, if you're watching it with your grandmother, yeah, she, you're gonna go, "Holy crap!" Frances McDormand at 63 is naked. Sure, but well, it's it's very brief scene. But one of the things I like most about it is because I am of a certain age, and all these people that are shown in the movie are of a certain age, and they have lost full-time employment they can't draw their social security yeah, they're too in real life she's 63 so she's at that age she's not old enough to get a, because if you draw your social security at an earlier age you don't get as much so you're supposed to wait as long mm-hmm. as possible mm-hmm. and then she uh, and so it's the gig economy and that's very real to people now mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. release it was supposed <laughs> the kernels was supposed to be out november 5th there you go but but it's so, been finished since last February. <laughs> it's been finished for a year. That's yeah. Uh, so maybe she made this after that. Um, the, uh, the Bob Wells is the name of this guy in the movie that uh, this kind of guru of van life. He he has yeah. He's they they watch his YouTube videos and everything. Those are real. Um, he's a real dude. He's a real dude, and I can't vouch for you know whether he's worth like you know changing your life and following his ways like they do in this movie um i i think it stops just short of being a bob wells advocacy project no. but uh but, no because uh, she still she still has hardships it's not yeah. it's not like hey do this and you'll be on easy street no no not at all not at all so that's the thing it never like is the it's not about the glory of the open road and i don't think that's what bob wells is saying either. no 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 he you have to be a certain type of person with a yeah. he, there are rules it, bob bob has a code that you need to follow he trains people how to do this Right, right, right. And there's a see you down the road instead of saying goodbye. But what I liked is these people are very self-sufficient. They're resourceful. They're resilient. But yet they bond as a community. And there's a lot. I think there's a quote that people are saying on the, the ads that say humanity and community. And that's very two. That's two very strong aspects of this film. Now, yeah. Jim, you said you said it's almost documentary like besides Francis McDormand, using the name Fern, everybody else uses their real name. Yeah. Well, David Strathane is in it too, right? Yes, but he, he plays he plays David. 
yeah, he's the only other actor, but he, uh, right. you're right, he's David. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, it, it, it has this blurring of reality with, with the uh, uh, storyline of Fern, which is fictional. Joshua James Richardson it wrote, it did the cinematography, and it's just gorgeous. I wish we could have seen it on IMAX because they had it on IMAX. The, the cinematography and the uh, production design, which is like the two big, you know, jobs right beneath director in production. When you know, there's the, your DP and your production designer. Those are, you know, basically the top dogs of two different departments. And this is the first time I've ever seen it where the same person is doing both those jobs. And that's the man you just mentioned, Lynn. That's a good, that's a good point. I didn't realize that until you had mentioned it, I think during our awards voting. Yeah. I, I had to stop the Blu-ray or the, uh, whatever we were watching the disc that they sent us and, and be like, wait a minute, this is the same guy. And I, you know, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it is the same guy, uh, I've never seen that before, but I guess with a movie of this scale where they are just kind of, you know, using found locations and tweaking them to camera, uh, you can get away with that. Because I, I do suspect that cinematography was his first priority. And the music score is wonderful as well. Mm -hmm. Somehow it's not, uh, it's not eligible. I'm seeing all the shortlists for the Oscars and there's some confusion. Not all the scores are eligible, just like for the Writers Guild. Uh, I was going to mention the Writers Guild nominations came up, -ish, but a lot of Oscar contenders aren't even on there because they have specific rules. Right. Okay. So that's I, okay. It's still, it's, a, it's still a movie that should be seen. Oh, it should. After I saw it and Carl and I were first talking about it, I go, I think it's the my favorite movie I've seen this year because it's just so different and beautiful and full of wonder. And it's just it's definitely worth the hype to to find it. Yeah, I well, would agree. Well, we have to wrap it up. Jim, is there anything that you have seen in the last couple months that you are so impassioned about that you want other people to see. Oh gosh. Um, That's I why I'm putting you a, on the spot. I wish I had a it'll quick come answer. to your head. I've been watching a lot of comedies for my comedy class. I've been trying to watch two a day, um, you know, just filling in gaps, quite frankly, uh, before I have to go up and be the expert on all of this. And uh, some refresher stuff too. And I, I just today watched a great old Ernst Lubitsch movie called To Be or Not To Be. Uh, from 1942, which was just fantastic. That thing is remade by remade by Mel Brooks. Well, made remade with Mel Brooks. He didn't right. that, but I'm going to watch that next. I've never seen that. Uh, really? I don't expect and it. His to be wife as... Anne Bancroft is in it too. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I don't expect that to be as good, but I, I'm going to be taking a look at that next. Um, so yeah, to be or not to be from 1942, the origin of the line, you know, everybody, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler. And then Hitler comes in and says, "Heil myself," and and Mel Brooks has used that numerous times um, in the producers and elsewhere, right? Right. So yeah, uh, this is uh, this movie was oh my gosh, it's another one that I was totally drawn into, like Nomadland in a totally different way. I was so absorbed by "To Be or Not to Be" the Ernst Lubitsch version that I, I realized I can't stop this. I can't get up. I can't look away. I am in this, you know? <laughs> well, good. It's like that. Well, um, I'm just going to bring up a couple things people should be watching on TV this weekend. If you are a WandaVision fan, don't tell me anything. Be quiet. Thunder, 
much no, for this no, no, new no. episode tonight. The Muppet Show, all five seasons of it are now available on Disney. But I have them all on Blu-ray yeah. already. But now, but now I can watch Luke Skywalker host, but also Mark Hamill is hosting at the same time. And, wait, wait, and on demand. Pause button there, Carl. You said you have all five seasons of The Muppet Show on Blu-ray. Jim, I think you are right. All of my Muppet shows are on DVD, but it is seasons one through five. Bob. I only have the first three seasons on DVD. The, they released all five eventually. Uh, I'll have to look that up because, yeah, no, I, I that, that's fantastic that they're on Disney Plus, but we all know they're not going to be there forever. They'll cycle them off. We won't have access forever. Uh, I like to have those Blu-rays. I'd like to get that. So uh, the last uh, I, two seasons are worth it. Uh, I don't they have are. Yeah. Anyway, great. The, I consider the Muppet Show one of the great TV shows of all time. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Channel Four used to show it Wednesdays at six thirty. They sure did. Oh, that was such a joy. And then on Sunday night, HBO begins its four-part miniseries, Alan versus Pharaoh. Uh, okay, that is something else you need to be in the mood in because if <laughs> you if you're a Woody Allen fan, you are probably not going to like this. And if you aren't a Woody Allen fan, why would you watch this? I want to see it because it's going to have all this uh, footage never before seen, never before audio. It's going to have court documents. It's going to have a lot of a story. Uh, I'm interested in hearing the whole thing. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, well, I'll let you watch it and then I won't. And before that, before that, I'm going to watch the ham for progress. Joy in their voices. As you know, how obsessed I am with Hamilton. As you uh, should be. This, the uh, cast is going to be on this show on YouTube. And I've already set a reminder for it. It's going to be on six o'clock on Sunday. And it's an evening of hope, inspiration and community celebrating black art and artists. And besides the cast of Hamilton, special guests are the national poet, Amber Gorman. Mm -hmm. And Wayne Brady is hosting and Gail King is going to be on. And so is the new senator from Georgia, Reverend Warnock. So I am excited. 6 p.m. YouTube. I'm sure they'll have it posted, but this will be the live version. Okay, or the, cool. some, you know what they pass is virtual live these days. Right. Yes. So well, Jim, uh, thank you for being on with yes, us. Yes, thank you for being there. And uh the news broke before we started our podcast today, but Kim and Kanye are now are, officially she divorced. has filed for divorce. Yes. And the silence of the lamb's house is being redone as a bed and breakfast. So wait, wait, Buffalo Bill's house? Yes. Can you sleep in the pit? Is oh. there a, yeah, is there a pit? <laughs> I think just this is a bad idea. You have to wear it night puts the lotion to... on its skin or else it doesn't oh. get to shower. Oh. Has anybody Everybody... watched Clarice yet? Has anybody... you'll, you'll... No, you'll I heard it's very it much. It's the wrong house. <laughs> I yeah. know because I hear Clarice is good. I heard I... it's very much CBS procedural. But That's Jim, you, Jim, your your joke was lost. Oh, I'm sorry. Jim's joke was lost, but it is very well written joke that you just told. Thank you, Carl. What did you say? They he said they come, they come up on the house and it's the wrong house. In the, the Silence of the Lambs house. It's oh, because in the movie they yes. think it's at the house and it's at the wrong and he's yes. Buffalo Bill yeah. has tricked them. Oh, oh, spoilers. Great. Spoilers from a 30-year-old movie. Yeah, yeah it is 30 great, years old. One of the great sleight of hand editing uh tricks of all time in movies. 
That is a good one. That is, I forgot yeah. about that. And oh, you uh, superhero people, Superman and Lois starts on Tuesday on the CW, and that's Tyler Hecklin. And yes, he's been he's in the Arrowverse. He's been on both of them. Actually, have been in the uh, Arrow crossovers, Crisis on Infinite Earths already. And he was on Supergirl for a whole bunch, but I broke up with Supergirl because it's just too ridiculous. Well, I enjoyed that character. Yeah, he's a Superman. Yeah, (laughs) never heard of him. He um, I enjoyed Lois and Clark back in the day. It was on up against the Simpsons, and I I didn't like it. Right. I never I never got into that, even though I was a huge comic book fan. I, I, I watched it. them both. And uh, Terry Hatcher made a great Lois Lane. She and did. You know what? Dean Kane made a good Superman. Actually, Dean Kane, it's hard to do both. And I thought Dean Kane was a good Clark Kent and a good Superman. Well, Tyler, it's hard to do both. Right. Tyler Hecklin was the little boy in Road to Perdition. Or or, or he was also in. Um, uh, what was the Linklater movie? Um, Everybody wants some, and Everybody I actually, wants some. He's oh, good in that. I actually yeah. got to interview him then because they he, came to St. Louis, mm-hmm. and uh, so oh. yeah, so he was very pleasant. He's been around the biz forever. Good-looking so. man. Yeah. Well, listen, you all enjoy your weekend. It is uh, going to be. It's Lent. It's going to be balmy. Yeah, well. yeah, uh, yeah, a balmy <laughs> 40 degrees, but rain. So that means some of the snow will go away. Oh, please, please. I'm so ready for that to be gone. Yeah, well, well thank you. Uh, thank you, Lynn and Carl, for having me back here on the show. This yeah, is always uh, this is always such a pleasure to do. And uh, Jim, when can, where can we find you socially? I'm not I'm not very social these days, but I'm I'm, I'm out there uh, on Facebook at my Zeke film, Z-E-K-E-F-I-L-M. You can go to the website there, ZekeFilm.org. Uh, talking about nonprofits that don't make any money. There's one. Uh, <laughs> ZekeFilm.org um, for my uh, written reviews. And then um, and then we have a group on Facebook that Zeke Film does. So you talk about movies there if you uh, want somewhere to yell at people about movies. You can find me on the Intercom family of radio stations and the Maxim Movie Podcast, or find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern and Lynn Venhouse. Where are you, young lady? Well, I am on all the socials now, and also um, I I can be found in the Webster Kirkwood Times online and in print. I am on KTRS every Thursday night around ten. 30 with Ray Hartman and Miller Furniture presents Lynn Venhouse goes to the movies. And then I have my own website, which is still a work in progress. Poplifestl.com. Everyone be safe. Hey, everyone. Thank you. Uh, enjoy. Good. Enjoy the movies. Indeed. Have a good night.